Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Advisor Arena Podcast. I am back with the handsome, the smart, the tall, the bearded Josh Watson. He told me what to say for the intro and so Tony Shore. That's how are you guys? That'll be $10, Josh. <laughs> All right. Well, Her I'm obviously adjective. doing fantastic after that, uh, that intro. And Tony, well, you've got great. your Viking was, shirt on. I've got my Viking shirt on. I'm still riding the high from the, uh, yep. From the game. I'm a huge Vikings fan and uh, in all of NFL history. Yes. The greatest comeback in NFL history. Um, nobody's ever come back from a 33 point deficit and they did it in about a quarter and a half. And the, uh, the, uh, defensive captain came into the locker room at halftime and he was the first one to speak and everybody quieted down and he got up on a bench and he said, look, all we have to do is score five touchdowns. And uh, Kirk Cousins said, I almost started to laugh because I thought he was joking. And the whole, all the guys said, yeah, heard. They say the word heard together, you know, meaning we got the message. And so Kirk's like, all right, I'm on board for this. And then the coach spoke and that inspired everyone. And they went out and scored five touchdowns, uh, a two-point conversion and a field goal to win the game. (laughs) So when people listen to this, it's going to be maybe – the Thursday before Christmas. So that gives you like less than a week before the end of the year. If you're not where you want to be, or should we all yell heard or I, I don't know. What's our, yeah. We'll, we'll do whatever you want. You I call in, we'll yell School. it together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. As you That's guys know, I have very little to contribute about football talk, but <laughs> I do have something to contribute for the most frequently asked questions that we got this year. Josh and I thought it would be fun to, And think back, what are the things that we get asked all the time? And if some of you are are asking these things, we know there's plenty more of you that aren't asking that probably want the same info. So we're going to go through the top questions that we received from Financial Advisors 2022. Hopefully it helps you prep for the new year and just take advantage of what mistakes have other people made? What's working for them? What kind of things do I want to avoid? Maybe fast forward through the the lessons that others learned on your behalf. So I'll start with one of mine, Josh. I think, I don't think a week goes by where somebody doesn't say, what are other people doing right now for seminars and or webinars, right? They want to know, are people still doing these? Are they having success? Who are they using? How are they doing it? What should I not do? This has been a hard one to figure out, especially kind of post-COVID, don't you think? Totally agree. And then there for a while, it was it was tough, depending on the area and the regulations and all those sorts of things. Uh, it was tough to figure out. But I will say, just from the conversations I'm having, um, it's better. So we are starting to see more success across the board uh, everywhere. Uh, it doesn't matter the state you're in. So I think seminars are definitely back and I think they're back in a big way. I think people, 
we all hope that seminars aren't back, right? <laughs> we want somebody to say, oh yeah, you don't ever have to do those anymore. Those actually aren't working. So here's on to the new thing that people just come into you for. And unfortunately, or fortunately, that's just not the case. Like, we track the return on investment for every type of marketing down to what did it cost to actually write that piece of business. And believe it or not, seminars are the lowest cost marketing, which surprises some people. I think they think, those seminars are the most expensive and they're not. So wanna share uh, the info that we share with other advisors when they say, tell me what's going on out there. What are other agents doing? First of all, one of the top questions we get is, are people inviting via social media or are they actually sending hard copy mailers? I can only think of a, a couple of people. So I don't know what the percentage is for the larger group, but I only personally have a couple of advisors that I work with that are sending actual mailers. And I myself have done four seminars this year. And I only did a mailer once. The other times were all digital. So I think most people are doing digital invites, social media, regardless of the mailhouse. I think most are probably doing the paid up front model. You know, there's a, a couple of organizations out there that you can pay per attendee. What are the what what are the common concerns you think about the pay per attendee? Uh, that they're not going to have any assets, right? So I'm paying for I'm paying for all these people. They show up, yeah, that's great, but they don't have any money or they don't set appointments. Yeah, I mean that's always a a concern as well. So I would say those are the two biggest when it comes to the pay pay for attendee model. And then just making sure that, yeah, I mean, if you do have a huge turnout, you know, are you going to be on the hook for that? So that's the other thing I think yeah. you need to be be careful of too. But I would say Plus those mailers are expensive and they typically get physical mailers are expensive and they get thrown away a lot. Yep. And I think with the paper attendee model, uh, in addition to what you just mentioned, Josh, I think the, you know, a couple of things there. One, don't be wary of being uh, caught with a, a big bill. I mean, what we want is a lot of people to attend, but most of those organizations will give you the option, like, here's my cap or wait and see how many show up. And then if you want to buy the additional buying units, they'll give you the choice after. Do I want to buy these all of them? Do I just want to buy one of them, a couple of them? My experience has been that's pretty lenient. So I just think you've got to think about your area. And if let's say you're in Minnesota and Tony, you probably would know this better than us. But if we're going to do a, a seminar January or February and I'm going to spend $5,000 to send a mailer and then a big snowstorm hits, I'm out of luck. Like if people don't come, yep. the mailhouse did their job. However, if I used an organization where I paid per attendee and a snowstorm hits, nobody shows up, I'm okay. So right. there's pros and cons to both. You really just have to think about your area. So I think the second question we get is what topic is pulling the best? So I'll share my personal experience and then what I've talked to some of my other advisors about are enhanced planning topics that we have been talking about all season, that's pulling really well from a seminar standpoint. Some people call it estate planning, we call it enhanced planning, but the gist of it is you're talking to people who are concerned about not only their own retirement, but what they're going to leave to their family and their loved ones. Typically that means they have assets, right? So it's going to be hitting higher net worth people. 
So that most recently, I think you'll find most of our vendors say that topic is definitely been better than like if you're trying to do social security where you might have a high volume of attendees, you might have a high volume of response rates, but people may be attending because social security is going to be their primary form of income. They don't really have any other assets. So we got to think about who are we trying to draw in and, and just use a little common sense there on what would higher net worth people be drawn to that. And I think taxes, what do you think? I would 100% agree. I think the third one's going to be inflation. Obviously that's another big topic. So yes, enhanced planning, taxes, inflation, those have been the three, I would say biggies this year as far as specialized topics go. Um, just like you're saying, enhanced planning, that's going to continue to be bigger. So I see that just continuing to be more and more, I guess, a part of our process here at Gradient. So that's a good one to jump on for sure. And like you said, you will attract, it's for everybody, but you still will attract a little bit higher net worth client using that. Yeah. I, the, I talk to a lot of advisors every week and the majority of them want to talk about enhanced planning, estate planning, legacy planning on their radio shows. And uh, that's a popular topic right mm -hmm. now. And I know that a lot of them tell me that that's what uh, they've been using in their seminars and it's worked very well. So uh, I hear that a lot lately, more and more every week. Well, and if any listeners um, are part of Million Dollar Minds or they follow Rami's coaching, he talks about being a transformational advisor rather than a transactional advisor. And I think when you start to get into topics like enhanced planning, that's where you can really showcase how you are a transformational advisor, how you really transform their lives. You're not just transacting, uh, selling, buying of, of things. So that's a big one. Uh, meals versus no meals. That's a big one that people ask, you know, well, do I have to go to a restaurant? Do I have to feed everybody? That is pretty cyclical. I think we are in a time right now where we don't have to buy meals. Uh, the odd locations like, you know, local type uh, I don't even know, like I did one at, at what we call an opera house. I did one at a museum. We have lots of people that have tried like wineries and breweries and art galleries. Colleges are always a big one to, you know, tout it as more of an educational event. You guys had anybody do anything, any place where you're like, oh, I would have never thought about that for a seminar. Um, you know, really, I mean, you named them all. I can't think of any outside the ones you named, but you're exactly wineries. right. I think. Yeah, I think right now that this is the, you can, you can really get away with not doing meals. You could do light hors d'oeuvres, things like that, and still pull in people. And I think that's really because if there's a lot going on when it comes mm -hmm. to somebody's finances with the, just what we were talking about. So um, take advantage of it. People want the info. Now's the time to, uh, to get it to them. I visited an advisor in Georgia, um, I don't know, several months back and went to a seminar and I can't think what the location was, but it was almost like, um, I want to say it was like an adult learning type facility, but it was in located in a strip mall. So, you know, you pull up and I thought, oh my gosh, I don't know that this is going to be your typical place where a seminar is going to pull people, but it's a conference room, you know, set up for what they want. Funny story. I mean, he did great. It, it pulled well. It was, an, it was a women's seminar, but it showed my location on life 360 on my on my apple phone showed that i looked like i was just at a strip mall for five hours and when i left the seminar my 
kids are saying, mom, mom, are you okay? Did you get kidnapped? Have you been at, why have you been at the strip mall for five hours? <laughs> All good. We thought you were working. Why are you just at this mall? So good to know they're watching out for me. If I, if anybody yeah, wow. to try to kidnap me, look out. Families, no Families tracking you. I love that. <laughs> That's right. What have you been doing at the strip mall for five hours? Well, you know what advisors have been asking me? The question I keep getting, and it's mainly from uh, Brad Zinda's advisors, is they ask me, how can I work with Jamie and Josh instead of Brad? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give that, this episode recording to him to share with his advisors and not tell him this little nugget was in there. That is a common question <laughs> I get. How how can how can Jamie and Josh be my marketers as an advisor? I'm sure that's true. They probably don't call Josh by name, though. They just use one of those adjectives that we talked about in the morning. Who is that handsome bearded devil? How can I get oh, him God. to be my marketer? That's yeah, again, I've <laughs> never heard that about Josh. No, nope. no, nope, that's not... <laughs> That's not what they're saying. So a couple of tips for seminars, regardless of what mailhouse, how you do it. If they're once you've got them there, let's really maximize what you get from that. So multiple calls to action we see work better than one rate, you know, one offer to come in and meet with you at the end. If you're using our seminar, any version of it, you're going to see we put multiple calls to action throughout. And really, you're taking like a shotgun approach with this rather than a rifle approach. Right. So maybe somebody is more interested in income planning than tax planning or vice versa, or they're interested in avoiding probate. You don't know exactly what from that mailer drew them in. So having multiple calls to action where you are giving them something tangible or offering them something tangible if they come in to meet with you, we have seen that tradition for uh, transition into asking for the appointment go much better than if at the end you say, oh, by the way, we do... Um, you know, free consultations, get a second opinion. That's what everybody asks for. And you can just see in their minds, they're thinking, okay, well, I'm going to come in. You're going to try to sell me. I'm going to try to not be sold. And so I'm, you know, yeah, maybe call me. And you've lost a great opportunity there than if you would have used a specific call to action. 100% agree. I think it's also very important just to have a process in place and follow it and stick to it. So no matter where the lead comes from, we talked about this all the time, but just making sure you're consistent with what you're doing, um, you're going to have a lot more success. So that's the main thing. That's yeah, a that's good transition. Yeah, our most popular, or I shouldn't say popular, uh, but our our best advisors that we work with, the top advisors who do the best, it seems to me uh, what separates them is they all have processes and they get a process that works and they really stick to that process flow. Yeah, and I think most advisors will say, well, yeah, I have a process, but then if you ask them to actually write it down and does everybody in your office follow it like you have on paper, no. And so it's not enough to say, yeah, I have a process. Do you follow it? Do you use it? Do you deviate right. from it? Which brings me to my second most frequently asked question. And that's about what companies are working well for traditional lead generation and how are advisors getting business from it? You get asked this question, Josh. Oh, yeah. All the time. Everybody always wants to know what's working for marketing. I would how say that's, uh, that's do I get one. leads? How do I get leads? That's so, got to be the number one question, right? Oh, yeah. It might be. I don't know. Seminars and lead generation are probably a toss up. It's seminars are asked about so much because I think people get scared about spending money and not, you know, they want to make sure I want to do everything right. If I'm going to spend this money. Right. Lead but a seminar is though, lead generation. Yeah. I'm talking actual like buying leads. So I'm going to go sure. to a vendor and I'm going to purchase right. a lead. So that is 
kind of, you know, when you look at it at first glance, it seems like a really inexpensive way to do marketing. I hate to burst the bubble here, but if you actually calculate it, when it's all said and done, seminars end up being cheaper in most instances. But let's say you don't have, you know, three to $5,000 to go spend on an event. You want to spend 50 to 250 per pop on a lead and control your budget a little better. We do get asked a lot, what vendors are people using and what's the follow-up process? How well is it going when they go to follow up with those annuity leads? And Josh, you just alluded to something there, which is process over product here, right? No matter where they come from, a seminar or buying a lead, you got to follow the same process. What do you see happen to people here? Yeah, I, I think you've, you've got to really be organized, right? So you've got to know, if you're buying leads, you've got to know exactly. So if you do have a process, it's got to be spelled out, right? So everybody in your office knows what it is, and then they know what part they have in that process. So that's going to be the main thing. Um, and just staying organized, right? So you're going to have different people in different parts of that process. So you've got to be able to stay organized. Um, I would say you you have to be consistent with your follow up when it comes to leads. That's another thing uh, that you got to be really on top of. So it's all about yeah being organized, having that process laid out. If there's anybody in your office helping you, they've got to know it. I think when you say be organized, you got to be intentional with your follow up. And if you are one that feels like oh, I don't that didn't feel very good, I feel like I'm chasing them. Lead generation may not be for you because you're 100 percent going to feel like you're chasing them because you will be chasing them. So when you get a lead in, obviously, first thing we want to do is respond right away. I think oh, I've seen a little transition here it used to be, you know, pick up the phone and call right away. Now with you know, where we've come with texting, most of the advisors that I talk to that do lead follow-ups, they shoot a quick text over and a text. Actually, I do the same thing. People respond to a text more than they'll respond to a phone call. Um, so just shoot it, have it pre-canned on your cell phone, you know, have it all typed out. Hi, this is Jamie from blah, blah, blah. You know, if you're using one of the vendors that they would recognize and put that vendor out there and say, I've got your request to speak to somebody locally. How can I help? And, you know, just something quick that you have already on your phone where you could just copy, paste, go. So literally within 15 seconds of getting the notification, you're out there. Because sometimes lead generation is just about who can respond the fastest, right? Unfortunately, most vendors sell that same lead to four different advisors, and they're most likely to connect with whomever just reached out, whoever got there first, basically, uh, you know, and all that, other remaining equal. That is a really good point. Like you have to, if you're going to be, you know, if that's how you're going to generate your business is through leads, you have to be open to like different communication methods. You know what I mean? Like you can't just call somebody, they don't pick up, you leave a message a couple times and call it a day. Like if you really want to be effective at it, you got to, you're exactly right. You need to be texting them. I know depending on how aggressive you want to be, maybe friend them on social media, um, call them, email them. I mean, you, you really do. You've got to have all those things in place. And you'd scare the crap out of people. I bet you're all of a sudden your face pops up and now you want to be my friend on social media and you're calling <laughs> and texting me. I, I put my name, I put my face on a billboard. So as soon as they drive out of their neighborhood, there I am. Yeah. They'll be going to sleep at night, wow. envisioning your face, peeping through their window. You're just here everywhere. Um, I do think you need to be lots of places. So, and you've got to vary how you're reaching out. So if texting doesn't work, 
you know, pick up the phone, call and leave a message. If you've left a message, maybe then the next day when you call, don't leave a message. You know, you've got to, you want to be reasonable, but what feels really pushy and aggressive to us is probably not even quite enough. Like if it feels really pushy and aggressive, it's probably not quite enough communication. It is definitely a, you know, it is a, it's a process to follow up with these people that is not for the faint of heart because you may have to follow up 10, 11, 12 times before the timing is right. They're busy. You know, they happen to have something, think about something or click something and they requested a lead and who knows what they have going on in their lives. And so it's, it's probably not likely that they really don't want the info one, they're wary of who you are, why you're calling and how you're going to try to sell them. Two, they're just busy. So I would have things available at your fingertips. Be able to text them something, send them to your landing page, offer them Comra, you know, offer a, if you do, sometimes we get an address. If you really want to scare them like Josh, friend them on social media and show up on their front door. I mean, let's just, <laughs> let's just terrify people while we're at it. But no, you do have yeah. to be consistent. No, and I think, yeah, you're exactly right. You've got to be consistent. And just to give just kind of some ideas on numbers. So I talked to one of our advisors. Uh, he had 68. So he bought 68 leads. He closed 18 of those leads. Of those 18, out of that, he did 2.5 in annuity business. So $2.5 million in annuity business, another $5 million in AUM. So yep. But think about that. Yeah, that sounds great. But you had 40 people plus that said no, mm -hmm. 40 people that you either didn't get in touch with. So you have to play the numbers game, right? If you say, oh, leads don't work for me and you've only tried it for a few months and you've tried 20 leads, no, call us back when you've done hundreds because that's really what it's going to take. And if you don't have the time for that, seminars feel like they cost a lot and they can up front but leads are going to cost a lot of your time. So when you're deciding what to do, you really have to think about kind of lifestyle you want. Do you have a new agent that's in there that, you know, has plenty of time, but not a lot of money. Those are the kinds of things to consider. And then when you're in front of them, for goodness sake, don't let them, you know, pigeonhole you into a process where I just want you to sell me the, the annuity that has the highest cap and let them force you into bypassing your whole process on how you'd run an appointment if they came from a seminar I can't tell you how many times we've taken calls from advisors and they're like, well, I had this, you know, 200, 300, 400, but I just had a $500,000 case last week where the agent called and said, I met with them. Everything was great. They loved what I had to say. They were, you know, so appreciative. And then they went and talked to their advisor. And now that advisor said, no, you should, you should use this product instead. This has a slightly higher cap. And he has gotten himself into a situation where he didn't really explain how he's a transformational advisor, not a transactional advisor. He just, you know, I, when I asked him how the appointments went, he said, well, they already knew what they wanted when they came in. They were very specific and they were, you know, insistent upon just knowing about the annuity. And he allowed that prospect then to control how those appointments went. And he's backed himself into a corner, into a product pitch. And now you're, allowing yourself to be shocked. And that's where getting away from your process and it bites you in the butt. So process. Next Which topic is, is your to favorite. It is. Mm -hmm. Write it down, get some help, stay consistent. If you see you're deviating, come back. Best, best advice I have on that because it is really hard. I mean, we all are going to have a hard time doing exactly what we intend to do, but if you can do, 
you know, 50% more than you were doing before. Great. You know, keep working at it and don't get frustrated. If you're really not following your process, don't scrap the, the method, maybe just fine tune how you're following up with it. Mm -hmm. So last one, this is your favorite topic. I think (sighs) rate renewals should we be worried about renewal rates and how are other agents addressing so I would say transparency. What do you have to say about this? Agree. I think um, where sometimes we go wrong and it's not necessarily our fault. I mean, you can get illustrations right now showing 16% average returns, mm-hmm. 16%. And I would say that's probably might happen one year, but that the products aren't designed to do that. You're probably not going to average that. So I would, uh, as far as renewal rates go, sell, you know, sell kind of the bottom line, you know, your guarantees and, you know, maybe show a more conservative illustration. That way you don't get yourself backed into a corner with these high returns. Um, So that would be my first piece of advice. So I think, um, you know, the question that we get asked is one, should I be concerned? And The way I'd answer that is absolutely, you should always be concerned. I mean, anytime that an insurance company has control over something you have to answer for, we should be concerned. We should be aware and we should be transparent with the, you know, with our clients that that is something that can change. And so know it, be very transparent with what it can change too. If you're really concerned about it, there are products out there that lock in the rate for the entire term or they have bailout provisions, or they have return of premium provisions. But I think as long as you're transparent with the client, as long as you're saying like, I don't have control over this, the insurance companies have control, but they are also only going to be able to offer whatever our interest rate environment is like. You know, if you get into like level option pricing and and budget option pricing, it's a little much for consumers. Now, if you get an engineer type, we have a ton of resources on that. And they, I think they really value knowing the inner workings of that. Um, but just don't, you know, don't create a situation like where you said you've, you've skimmed the surface and they think, oh, well, I saw this illustration was 16% returns. That's just what I assumed I was going to be getting. So transparent, conservative, tell them how the, tell them how it works. I agree. And you know, the other good thing is these index or the insurance companies are smarter too, right? So they started offering different indexing options that they can offer, you know, better or worse participation rates on depending on just the market conditions out there. So that helps too. Um, so really, I guess, knowing your indexes and, um, I guess the options there, that's also, that's also a good thing to keep in mind too. So we'll see, but I mean, rates are obviously at all time highs. I would say probably going to maybe pull back a little bit. Well, we're already starting to see some companies pull back, Mm -hmm. you know, with, with my guess, uh, you know, I get a couple of questions like, well, where do you think rates are going to go? Are they going higher? Let me know when we cross six. And I think we've peaked. Now we're starting to see companies come back down. So I don't know. I we'll see what happens, I guess, in the new year. But I think we've peaked on interest rates for now. Mm-hmm. Agree. Well, I would say, guys, if you're enjoying the podcast, we would be so appreciative if you'd go out on Apple and you'd leave us a review. 
we don't talk about reviews very often or what those ratings do for us, but it does help us grow the podcast. And we always want to answer the questions that you want answers to. So Josh and I shared three today that we get asked a lot, but I know many of you probably have something else on your mind that you think, gosh, I'd love to know what other advisors are doing or how they're handling this or some mistakes they made. So I don't do that. Send us an email to the advisor arena at gradientfg.com. Just put podcast in the subject line. Tell us what your question is. Josh and I will do our very best to get you the answers, not just our opinion, but what your peers are doing. So guys, any last words? Have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Absolutely. Merry Christmas. We will see you in the new year. Thanks everybody for joining for another episode of the Advisor Arena podcast.